Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Good morning, good morning. And the countdown is about what? About three days left for Pesach. Fagy, have you finished all your cooking? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think I even started, Adel. I hope you've started somehow. I'm done. I'm done. I actually got a few more things done. I, I listened to a, um, a, pers- a, a personal planner before Pesach. And uh, one of the things she did, she said, was that she tries to keep the day before Yontem as a day for herself. So I made that my goal. So I've got about 48 hours and I hope on Friday. I'm not going to paint my nails, but I'm going to be relaxed. I'm going to try. Well done to you. Well done. Well, we are going to discuss something quite interesting today. And I think something that uh, is, is, is um, a common um, discussion amongst everybody, and that is our weight. You know, all of us complain about weight gain. We know that as we get older and older, the flab seems to get more and more stubborn and seems to find many, many places in our body. And um, there's a lot, the, the, the diet industry is a, a multi-trillion dollar industry and there's so much about diet and what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. Today, we are going to unpack it from a functional medicine holistic um, place. And we are going to be having Dr. Riaz Matara. We know that uh, he is a well-known guest on our show. He's a cardiologist with about 20 years plus experience. He's founded the first women's heart clinic in Africa and is the only functional medicine trained cardiologist in South Africa. And he focuses on cardiac endocrinology. Um, And this is very important because I think one of the things we need to understand about weight gain is not, it's not just about the food we eat, but about the lifestyle that we have. So we'd love you to join in on the conversation on 34519. Our telegram number is 061-895-1019. If you have any questions for Dr. Mataro, any um, comments you'd like to make, we'd love you to join in with us. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. And a warm welcome, Dr. Matara. Thank you for joining us today. Morning, Adel. Morning, Fagi. And good morning, good morning, Dr. Matara. Thank you so much for having me again. Okay, we're going to discuss weight. I know for women mm. it's a big issue, but I think for men as well. And uh, we've seen now in the past two years, particularly with the COVID pandemic, that obesity and being overweight and having you know metabolic problems has really, really exacerbated exacerbated things tremendously. Um, and so I think that society went two ways. Either people shed a lot of weight, okay, maybe from their anxiety or decided to turn around or people actually ate themselves into a coma just sitting at home feeling really, really depressed. But it's become very, very clear that, that you know, having the correct weight um, on oneself um, is important. So let's unpack it and get a definition to start off with. What is weight? What, what is a a healthy definition of weight. Well, how, 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 do, how do we put on fat? I mean, I don't think most, I think most people know about eating chocolate and getting fat, but let's understand it from a functional medicine point of view. Yeah, so there's many different ways at looking at the definition of weight gain. You know, simply put, you know, weight gain is abnormal or excessive fat accumulation 
that may impair our health. But we do have certain parameters that we can look at. Uh, doctors use something called the body mass index, which in a way is inaccurate because the, you know, the way it's calculated is your weight over your height squared. So you could be having somebody who's very muscular having a high body mass index. So the other way of looking at it is at your body percentage fat. And the average adult should have roughly 18 to 20% body fat. And that would then be your optimal weight for your height. Uh, another way of looking at it is looking at your waist circumference. And in a woman, if it's more than 88 centimeters, and if in a male, if it's more than 102 centimeters, then you are overweight. Okay, so not everyone don't go rush out now and get a measuring tape and start to... <laughs> <laughs> I do okay. find it so interesting when it comes to those discovery assessments, you could be nine months pregnant and your, your, your waist circumference is way too high, but they still take it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's so interesting when it comes to these measurement stories, you know, if something's a little bit off that you're way overweight. Absolutely. Yeah. So how, what, what is, what is weight? I mean, what is like the, the fact that we've got to get worried about? I mean, one of the things I was reading um, just a while ago, can't say that I understood it is that there's white fat and brown fat and all sorts of uh, different type of fat that we deposit around our organs. Can you enlighten us a little bit more of like what happens when we eat food and how does it get converted? Yeah, so look, we've got different types of fat in different types of our body. You know, so brown fat is when essentially when we're born, you know, there may be a time before a mother can breastfeed her child. And we have these little stores of brown fat that are very, very, very high in energy. And the baby can utilize those uh, brown fat stores as we, you know, when the baby's born. But as we get older, those brown fat deposits diminish and we change the fat to what we would typically call white fat accumulation in, you know, around our organs and below the skin and in our tissues. So, you know, the important thing to remember about weight is that it's not just about fat. Your weight on the scale is made up of body percentage fat and muscle and your bone density and body percentage water. So, you know, many people would say, I'd love to weigh 54 kilograms, you know, so I can fit into my clothing. But that's not the best way to look at it because then you may actually be underweight for your bone structure and your genetics. So everybody's unique, everybody's different. And the aim is to aim for a healthy, healthy weight. So let's define healthy weight then. So if I don't want to obsess with my BMI and my weight circumference and you know my water retention, what how, how does one, like a normal person who just doesn't want to be obsessive about it, how do I know that I'm at a healthy weight? So the most accurate way of, of, of looking at it is to aim for a body percentage fat of 18 to 20%. Once your body percentage fat gets to 18 to 20%, that is your optimal weight for your height. And how do you measure that? So there are, there are scales that can measure it for you. Sometimes, you know, the biokineticists uh, and the dietitians use certain calipers and they can look at it at every different part of the body. But these days there are scales available to be able to calculate those percentages. Okay. 
All right, so that we've clarified that now, let's go on to what makes my weight go haywire. Like there's many, many influences on, on weight, correct? Right, so, you know, the reasons why we gain weight are so complex and so varied. There's societal influences around eating. There's individual psychology that has to do with the way we eat. Uh, there's components of food production and consumption. And then obviously the biology of our body that will determine whether we're more likely uh, to gain weight. Now, typically you have what's called homeostatic eating. This is when you haven't eaten in your body, you feel hungry and there's a hormone made in your tummy that makes you feel hungry. And then on the corresponding side, you have another hormone produced within your fat cells that tells your body you are full. Then you get a different type of eating, which is called hedonic eating. This is more like an addiction to eating. You're not hungry, but you feel like you need to eat all the time. And this is controlled by a neurotransmitter called dopamine in the brain that makes us constantly for all forms of addiction. And then obviously the last thing around eating is deciding to eat, making the decision to eat when you're not hungry. So you have to, when you look at somebody, you have to think about, you know, what's going on with the biology of the body. And then finally, you have all the hormonal influences that also may affect weight gain. And we're going to unpack all of those things a little bit more and try to get to understand it. Again, if you'd like to join the conversation, 34519 is our SMS line, <clears throat> 061 895 1019 is our telegram number. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We're talking with Dr. Riaz Matara. We're talking about weight gain and there's so much to talk about. Um, I think let's, let's look at the causes of weight gain and let's understand what effect our hormones have. You know, that's, it's a particular thing with women, particular, I, I know, maybe, maybe just because I'm a woman, right? But I think with women, we, we, we fret a lot as we get older that our hormone, hormones change. Um, you know, our estrogen drops, our cortisol goes up, and so then does our weight. Yeah, so that's uh, true, Edel. I mean, there are many hormonal reasons why we gain weight. Let's start with the simple ones, you know, the ones that everybody knows about. So the first one is an underactive thyroid. And these days, almost every second person has an underactive thyroid that we see. And thyroid makes a hormone that's responsible for your metabolism, right? It determines how fast or how slow the machinery of the cells work. So if your thyroid is underactive, everything works too slow and you don't burn off what you eat. So that's a common one that we all see. The next and probably the most important reason why people gain weight today relates to a hormone called insulin that is made in our pancreas. Now, either for genetic reasons or for eating a highly refined sugar and starch diet, we overproduce insulin. And insulin is known as an anabolic or a building up hormone. It stores fat. And the story around this actually is quite interesting. It goes back to thousands of years ago when we never lived beyond the age of 30 or 35. And there were times of 
mass starvation. So our body had to develop a mechanism to store fat for lean times. But because we live longer today, that same process that was designed to save our life actually now creates the weight gain, gives us diabetes and high blood pressure and heart attacks and strokes and so on. So insulin uh, or something called insulin resistance, that's where the cells in our body are resistant to the effect of insulin. So insulin takes all the excess glucose or sugar and then converts it into fat, which is then stored centrally in our body and outside the cells rather than inside the cells. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's what then leads to the weight gain. And it's a vicious cycle because the more weight you gain, the more resistant you become, the more insulin you make. And that insulin resistance will ultimately lead to diabetes. So it's a process and it's never happened suddenly. And it's got to do with a lifelong process of eating well and reducing the amount of sugars and starches in our diet. So Dr. Matara, when it comes to insulin, if I may ask, um, there are people that don't necessarily have diabetes, but they would go to let's say a doctor or a dietitian and they wanna lose weight. They'll then be put onto a medication that will stabilize the insulin or help the insulin in order to lose that weight. How does that work? Or is, it, is there a healthier way, let's say, to yeah. stabilize your insulin in order to lose the weight properly? So that's a good question. So there are medications that can make the insulin more sensitive, so to speak, right? But you have to look at the reasons of what triggers the high insulin in the first place. So the minute you have too many sugars or refined sugars and starches, uh, some, what we call simple carbohydrates in your diet, you know, that's the trigger for the pancreas to start producing massive amounts of insulin. So there is no magic bullet, so to speak, to treat insulin resistance. It's a combination of eating the right way, the right amount of exercise, which we can talk about later, and perhaps maybe medication at an appropriate time. Where does intermittent fasting fall in, in into the system? <laughs> yeah, so, so intermittent... favorite. Yeah, so intermittent fasting does help in conjunction with eating a healthy diet, you know, so intermittent fasting is besides, you know, benefits in terms of weight has many other beneficial effects as well on the, uh, on the body. So, you know, you don't want to starve yourself though and follow a very low calorie diet to lose weight because it has the total opposite effect uh, on weight on, on your weight. So initially, if you, did, let's say, went on a thousand calories a day and you went on a soup diet and that's all that you ate, all that your body thinks is that you are not getting enough calories in for your height and weight. So it will go into a hibernation mode and it will slow your metabolism down. The minute you stop that diet and you now start eating normally, you are now eating too many calories for what your metabolic rate is. So you gain back the two kilos that you lose plus another two kilograms. So that's why these fat diets and low calorie diets actually are not good for weight 
loss. Um, well, when yeah. it comes to those calorie diets, also you could choose a Coke and you can choose a piece of cake and that's all you're going to eat for the rest of the day. It doesn't mean that you're going to be healthy. Absolutely. So, so but, but again, just to, to, to be clear for our listeners, intermittent fasting is not like a fad diet. It's just sure. teaching your body how to functional optimally. Because it, truth be said, we didn't eat the way we ate like 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. Like now, just because of the accessibility of fast food and you know comfort food and moving around we just we actually are eating much more than we really need that is so true Edel. i mean you're 100 correct um you know if you go back in our history we never ever ate three meals a day and had two snacks a day <laughs> we are consuming far 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 too much food for what our body actually needs now you know, the other misconception that many people have is that we need only glucose for energy. We have two sources of energy in the body. You have glucose that you saw from the food that you eat and something called ketones from fat. And we have an unlimited source of energy in the form of ketones from fat. But because we're eating this highly refined sugar and starch diet, our body We've trained our bodies to become glucose dependent okay, rather than ketone dependent when it comes to energy production within the body. So the intermittent fasting okay, helps us to become keto adapted in our body and to utilize the fat as a source of energy rather than just the glucose. Can we discuss fats? I'd love to understand about fats. There's so many myths, you know, I want my low fat cappuccino, I want my my skim milk cappuccino, you know, what is fat? Like, what is a healthy fat? What is good to you? Right. So another fantastic question, right? So um, firstly, low fat and fat free has probably been the biggest marketing ploy adopted by many companies around the world. You have to eat a serious amount of fat to gain weight. And eating mainly omega-6 rich fats that we've talked about previously will push up your cholesterol and may make you gain weight. But you have to eat a lot of fat to gain weight. It's not the fat. It's the refined uh, sugar and starch, the white flour, you know, the hidden corn syrup in many of the different foods. So so consuming less fat or the, um, the wrong type of fat is a good thing. But... You know, you don't want to go on a fat-free diet. Be, again, the opposite will happen. Right. So, so having butter instead of like margarine or, or, or the you know unhealthy oils, it's it's a much better option. You know, I do have the full cream milk, do have the full cream yogurt, or whatever it is that you're doing, because your body does need that fat. Yeah, have have the good quality full cream yogurt and milk, but reduce the amount of refined sugars that we add to our food. You know, the white potato, very refined white bread, and also mixing our sugars and starches together, you know? So if you had, for example, a burger and a Coke and a packet of chips, it's the white starch in the chips, the white flour in the roll, the omega-6 fat in the meat, and then eight sachets of sugar in the soft drink. So when you look at the sugar load that we, with each meal, and we're asking our body then to manage this entire sugar load, and the body 
can only store so much sugar in the form of glucose in our cells. And then all the excess sugar is then converted into fat because the body has to do something with the excess sugar. Right. Dr. Matara, you mentioned glucose and fructose. I've been watching some YouTube clips and, you know, researching a little bit about Dr. Perlmutter, David Perlmutter. He's big, big into um, uric acid and, you know, the glucose and the fructose effect on your brain, et cetera, your weight gain. Um, where does uric acid come into this? Yeah. So if you consume a lot of fructose, right, within the liver cells, through a particular pathway, you start making more uric acid. And for the listeners, uric acid is the waste product that often leads to kidney stones and gallstones and gout, and also makes your body acidic. That's why people who are very overweight have a big risk of developing gallstones. So, so again, even fruit sugar, you know, it's, it, fruits are healthy for us, but if you eat a fruit salad, it's got to do with the amount of sugar or the sugar load that we eat in a meal that places the strain or the pressure on the pancreas to produce too much insulin. Okay, so let's just go a little like go on to the next step and let's discuss then um, medications that affect weight gain. So we've got our hormones that are, you know, and the food that we're eating that is affecting it. And then you see lots of times you're taking a medication and it says, you know, can cause weight gain. Mm. How does that work? So again, very interesting, right? I mean, if you look at people who are overweight, they suffer with more depression, they suffer with more anxiety. That's a well-known fact. But, and people also have depression and anxiety for so many other reasons today. And many of the medications used to treat depression and treat anxiety actually cause the weight gain. So I've got seen patients who gain up to 20 kilos, 25 kilos on some of these medications. So it's very important to have a discussion with your psychiatrist, with your general practitioner to choose an option that is weight neutral rather than uh, you know, causing weight gain because you then gain, you're feeling depressed for, uh, for some emotional reason, you get put on an antidepressant and now you gain weight and now you feel more depressed about your health and your weight. So you know, those are the common, common class of drugs that, that lead to weight gain. How, how, how does it work? What does it do? It just like switches on that, that, uh, that um, thing that makes you feel more hungry, the, the hormone that makes you feel more hungry. How, how, is, is that the pathway? Yeah, so we, they, they postulate that many of these antidepressants influence brain insulin levels right? and push up the insulin, but also then may affect your satiety levels and, and, and the, you know, wanting to eat more. So We've seen patients when they come off the antidepressants, when they're better, that they then it's easier for them to lose uh, weight. And I mean, almost every second person that you see today is on either an anti-anxiety pill or, you know, an antidepressant. And as I said, this then has all those metabolic consequences uh, in our body. Well, you mentioned earlier about dopamine. Surely those medications also have an effect on like your dopamine and serotonin levels that then affect your... And Eating? Absolutely. absolutely. So, um, particularly the ones that influence serotonin, right? 
There are classes of medication that can be used to treat depression and anxiety without causing the weight gain. But the vast majority of drugs that are available out there to treat many of the psychiatric conditions actually cause weight gain. Right? So it's very, very important to have that discussion with your doctor to choose the appropriate uh, therapy when you're going to treat it. I think it's like a vicious cycle, right? You're feeling bad, so you take a medication, the medication makes you eat, and the eating makes you feel, and, and on top of it, you're eating badly. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like this uh, hamster wheel that once you get on it, you know, you either got to tread one way or you got to tread another way. It's like not one specific thing. You know, somebody goes, I'm just going to go and lose like 20 kilos and I'm going to be okay because there's a lot more uh, factors that affect a person. So if you you are, you are feeling anxious or, or, or depressed, you know, then you are going to go to the medication. The medication is going to make you put on weight. If you put on weight, you're going to eat the wrong foods. Whereas if you start reversing saying, well, maybe if I start eating the right foods, I won't feel so anxious and depressed because we know there is a correlation between mental health and that which we eat, then you won't put on weight, then you won't get on the medication. You know, it's just uh, and, like, as you say, Adel, also the psychological effects of losing weight. You go to a dietitian, the dietitian tells you what to do, comes to the weekend, you eat what you want, you feel so bad about yourself. Monday comes as another whole story, you feel feeling even more depressed, and you say, you know what, stuff this all. Whereas if you actually understand it from a health perspective, it's it's a very different angle. But as we say, Peggy, all the time, it's lifestyle, right? Lifestyle is very, very important. Yes. Um, just I, I want to go on to the topic of uh, of exercise, but we've just got a comment um, from Mary Ann. She says, could the good doctor explain why weather pay why weather plays an important role? Like, are we seduced by adverts that depict lettuce and cucumber salad for summer and thick glutinous soups for winter? <laughs> yeah. So you know the weather is interesting because again, you know, when we go into uh, winter. You know, our core body temperature goes down by a half a degree. So everything slows down. Uh, we're not as active. We tend to uh, comfort eat in, in, in winter. And again, um, you know, it, it's absolutely correct. It's what's marketed to us to eat in winter versus in, in, in summer. So, you know, the important thing about losing weight or getting to a healthy weight is understanding your why. You know, many, you can't take anything to lose weight without understanding the reasons why you have gained weight in the first place. And, and there are medications that are available these days, very really good ones, in fact, for weight loss. But, you know, if you then don't understand what's caused the weight gain, the minute you stop the medication, your weight is going to rebound again. So this is a lifelong challenge for all of us. We love eating good food and having a great time. And it's finding that balance, I believe, between eating well, enjoying life, being active, okay, but also understanding what are the, the right foods to eat and how much to eat. Just in winter particularly, um, is it right that we go for more of those comfort foods? It feels like that, uh, that winter is more carbohydrate, uh, you know, um, focused as opposed to summer. Yeah, I think, look, I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, in winter, you know, you're going to sit in front of the TV. You're going to be watching a movie and now suddenly you want something to eat and you're comfort eating. It's cold outside. We're not, many people are not getting outside like they do in summer to walk 
or to exercise or to hike and because it's cold so you know we stay indoors and again it, you know if you look at a bear a bear will go and hibernate in winter you know so i think it's the similar type of behavior that we've developed over over a long period of time that in winter we you know spe- specifically in northern countries you're going to stay indoors and be less active mm-hmm. so um so yeah very very important to be careful as we move into this winter this is the healthy you wealthy you show with adol kasilski and fagi stern well, another question's come in, and they all think that you are the good doctor, and I tend to agree. Morning, guys. Can you ask the good doctor what's better for a person's system and health? Natural sugars like fructose or non-nutritional sweeteners like xylitol? Yeah, again, a very good question. So xylitol is okay as a non-nutritional sweetener, but you have to be very careful with the other ones, you know, especially the aspartame. So, which are in many of what are marketed as low sugar options. Now, aspartame in a can of a, for example, like tear, like a tear or a diet coke, you exceed what your body can tolerate in a day threefold. Wow. And what it's been shown is that. Aspartame has been associated with or excessive amounts of artificial sweeteners has been shown to cause many chronic conditions as well. And also, you know, consuming a low calorie or a low sugar soft drink, as an example, actually has the same effect on your body by making insulin. So the minute you have something sweet or you taste something sweet, your pancreas starts to make insulin in anticipation of a sugar load entering the bloodstream. So it's a misconception that drinking uh, sugar-free drinks and low-sugar drinks uh, will cause weight loss. It may have not give you the same effect in terms of weight gain by having lots of sugar, but it's not necessarily... Uh, the healthiest option. So something like stevia extract and xylitol are a little bit safer, but be careful of the other nutritional sweeteners that we have. There you go, Moshe. I hope that answered your question. Faggy, you were wanting to ask a question about kids. Yes, Dr. Matara, what is the best way to deal with children that are literally obese? Because I know, I mean, there's so many psychological factors taking a child to a doctor, taking a child to a dietitian, making them think that they're overweight or fat, you know, for the rest of their lives, they hold on to that thought that they're, you know, overweight, even if they're not. Genetics, medication, lifestyle, what's the best way to deal with this? Yeah, so, you know, again, this is another pandemic that we face of childhood obesity or childhood weight gain, right? I mean, we never, ever saw type 2 diabetes, which is the insulin-resistant form of diabetes in young children. Yet we're starting to see so much of that today in children and young adults. And again, as you say, Fagi, the factors are, are, are just so many. There's so many causes, you know. As I said, the societal influences going out, you know, kids drinking excessive amounts of alcohol, um, eating highly refined sugar and starch diets, 
And it's sometimes, you know, you could be eating a healthy diet today, but we're still starving in the face of plenty because the fruit and the vegetables that we have available to us don't have the nutrient value that they may have had 20 years ago. So our body has to react to these deficiencies. So we constantly mm -hmm. feel hungry that we need to eat more. Okay. So, the, you know, I think the important thing for people out there is eat a balanced diet, eat, eat a healthy diet. Don't restrict yourself. Don't eat big meals, like a lot of carbs and sugars and starches all on your plate at once. Always ask when you have a plate of food in front of you, what on my plate is going to become sugar in my blood or glucose in my blood, okay? Mm -hmm. And then that's a very simple way of looking at, at understanding how many sugars and starches we eat. But when it comes to children, as I said, there's huge psychological issues to conform to, uh, you know, to be like my friends and to be thin and to dress in a particular way and to go out and to have fun and so on. And it creates, creates massive mental health issues when it comes to young adults. So again, it's, you know, the approach to children and adults is exactly the same. It's important to deal with the psychological issues, but also, you know, convincing somebody who's young because at that stage in your life, you don't think about these things in that way, is to follow a healthy diet, to get out there, to be active, uh, not to just sit in front of your computer and play computer games all day. And you can maintain a healthy diet. It's important, I believe, to eat together as a family at the table and to eat home-cooked meals rather than ordering in, which many of us did in the last two years uh, because we couldn't go out. Amen to that. Let's just, we've got a couple of minutes left. Let's talk about exercise because I think that's another component to healthy weight. Right. Very, very important again. Many people feel in order to lose weight that they need to go and do high intensity exercises like, you know, spinning classes and boxing classes and that type of thing. And if you don't understand the reasons why you have gained weight, if your insulin levels are high, and you go into high intensity exercises, you're not burning fat, you're burning muscle. And you, so you lose one or two kilos and you feel great, but then you hit a brick wall and you can't lose more. So try to do more strength training, things like Pilates and light weights, uh, lots of walking. Uh, if you are going to run, rather run at a slower pace, at a more constant heart rate, but for a longer period of, of time. And focus on strength training and building up your muscle. You never ever lose excess fat until your body percentage muscle is back to normal. Now, you know, as I said, the minute you start doing high intensity exercises, you start to burn more muscle and your body doesn't burn the fat. If you have not fixed the metabolic reasons, why you have gained weight. Absolutely. So interesting. It is. We are, uh, just in case you missed uh, what we we're talking about, we're talking about weight gain with Dr. Matara. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. So with the couple of seconds we do have left, Dr. Matara, let's sum it up. Can you give um, our listeners 
three pointers as to how we can go by having and maintaining a healthy weight. Yeah, great. Thanks, uh, Edel. So I think firstly, when it comes to your nutrition, you know, follow a green-based diet as much as possible. Limit the amount of animal protein, but eat a better quality of animal protein. Avoid many of the grain-fed animal proteins and the seed oils. Consume more omega-3 rich fats and cut down on the amount of refined sugar and starch in your diet. So that's from a nutritional perspective. When it comes to exercise, don't think of exercise as something you have to do. You know, think of being active and moving. It, you could be dancing, you could be doing Tai Chi, you could be doing yoga, you could be doing Pilates, but avoid doing high intensity exercises if you're trying to lose weight. And then finally, if uh, you do have difficulty losing weight, speak to your doctor, get them to investigate and find out the reasons why you have gained weight in the first place. And there is a mechanism and a targeted approach and good medication available these days to be able to, um, to, you know, to help you get to a healthy weight. So, um, you know, focus on those three areas. Fantastic. Thank you. This has been an incredible show. And, and uh, just again, emphasizing again and again that uh, being healthy is a lifestyle. It's not a fad. It doesn't come. It doesn't go. And uh, you want to remain wealthy and you want to enjoy life. You need to remain healthy. Thank you again for your incredible input. The way you explain things is just absolutely phenomenal. And we really, really appreciate your time. And Sorry, I think Anna, most of all, it. thank you so much, Dr. Matara. Thanks, Peggy. Thanks, Edel. And happy Pesach to all the, the listeners. And stay safe over this period of time and watch the calories. Exactly. Yes. I was just going to wish everyone a healthy Pesach. <laughs> you should have a healthy, healthy Pesach. And, uh, you know, we should be released of our limitations on Pesach, both physically, mentally, emotionally. And uh, we are going to be taking a bit of a break now over the Pesach holidays. And Peggy and I will be back after the holidays, hammering at it again. Have a wonderful week ahead. Thank you, everybody.